Welcome to the PaxX Podcast, available on iTunes. This is episode 14 of the show where we talk about everything to do with the passenger experience. I'm Mary Kirby, and I'm joined by my co-host, Max Flight. Max, how are you doing? Hi, Mary. I'm so busy. There are so many things going on in aviation these days. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a good thing we have so many aviation podcasts around so we can uh, focus on each of those things. But yeah, it's all kinds of exciting stuff. I know. Such a relief to have all those wonderful podcasts. And of course, as you say, so much going on. And of course, uh, the Asiana News. That's uh, right. That's right. Just out course, from the NTSB. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and, and also we've, uh, reported, uh, just recently the A380 door micro crack issue. Mm. <laughs> um, I, we're having a hard time keeping up with the passenger experience, uh, uh, items as well. But, um, I am excited about our guest today. Before we get started, however, we'd like to thank the Passenger Choice Awards for sponsoring this podcast. The Passenger Choice Awards program gives passengers a direct way to talk to the airlines through an online survey. It can be completed at www.passengerchoiceawards.com. The Passenger Choice Awards reminds you that the deadline for the 2014 cycle is Monday, June 30th. So vote now, please. Passengers, you guys have a voice. Um, This is a great way to use it. Now, it's my great pleasure to introduce our guest today. Dominic Green serves as Senior Director Content Business at Talas Avionics. He has 15 years experience in the airline passenger experience business with a focus on IFE, and he is Secretary of the Airline Passenger Experience Association, which backs the Passenger Choice Awards. Dominic, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Glad to be part of the conversation today. And Dominic, it's so great to be talking with you, and uh, I'm also excited that we're going to be talking about the Passenger Choice Awards later on in the program. Uh, this is uh, very exciting. As you, as you say, Mary, there's only a few days left, so it's time to get out there and vote. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, well, let's take a look at some of the top PaxX news stories that are making headlines Let's start with Airbus. Airbus is recertifying its A320 for 189 seats. Now, the A320 is currently certified for a maximum of 180 seats, and aircraft interior firms are proposing a number of solutions to accommodate the additional seats, including slim seats pitched at 27 inches. Mary, you've been tracking this development. What's the latest? <laughs> I'll tell you this. Um, we uh, we posted another story about uh, these 27-inch pitch seats, and the response on social media was not very kind. <laughs> um, but just an update on, on what Airbus is doing. Um, Flight Global just recently reported that Airbus is going to be able to add this additional nine seats um, because uh, they are widening the evacuation slides. Um, and that's going to allow them to be able to recertify uh, for this additional capacity, which is kind of interesting in its own right, I'd say. Hmm. But uh, airlines also have a, a variety of choices then as to how to configure uh, the interior of these aircraft. And we spoke to um, a company called Explicit. Uh, they are a seat manufacturer that is doing something rather unique. They've got a part titanium, part composite seat. It's, it's one of the lightest seats on the market, if not the lightest. Everyone, a lot of people make those claims, but, but it is a very light seat. 
Um, but they have suggested that they would be able to pitch this at 27 inches and that it's a viable option for airlines that are looking to offer the 189-seat A320 to offer a mixture of 27 and 28-inch pitched seats. <gasps> what do you think, Max? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Mary, what's what's allowing them to uh, make the seats thinner? Is it is it because of the use of the titanium in a structural capacity lets them uh, use uh, thinner components? Is is that where they get the savings? Yeah, the titanium is very, very strong. And so they're, they're able to pass these rather stringent 16G uh, force tests that we've talked about in the past, uh, which is obviously crucial. But they've also carved out so much of your kind of traditional seat. These slim seats are really quite slim. Um, they carve out additional room for uh, knees and shins, and that allows passengers to have the egress that's required through certification. So this is why Airbus is getting the all clear on these nine additional seats. It'll be interesting to see if any carrier will uh, adopt 27-inch pitched seats. None so far has made such an announcement, but we know of at least three aircraft seat manufacturers that are now actively pitching them. Dominic, um, I'm curious as a flyer what you think of this. Yeah, I, I think I probably have the same initial reaction as, as some people have. You know, it sounds a bit horrifying going with this denser, tighter seating, but I think for me it's part of a trend towards increasing segmentation of the different in-flight products, you know, to create more choice and to give passengers whatever they're willing to pay for. Yeah. And just because there's a slimmer seat offering, it doesn't mean every airline is going to go for that. It depends on what kind of passengers they're serving. Um, you know, I think in economy, we've seen a move in some markets to create separate economy plus offerings that cater to those that can't justify the jump to the premium cabins, but they're willing to pay a bit more for enhanced features such as increased legroom. Um, at the same time, things are getting a little bit tighter in the regular regular economist section. So I just think it's about what passengers are willing to pay for and what each um, each of their individual's perception of value is. We've uh, talked to a number of people that believe there might be, uh, the time might be ripe to, uh, instead of look at seat pitch, uh, to look more at actual comfort uh, allotted to passengers, that pitch doesn't really necessarily tell the whole story. And perhaps with these super slim seats that really carve out a, a lot of additional um, space, that it, that it isn't necessarily fair to say even a 27-inch pitch seat is going to necessarily be tighter than other traditional seats. I know for myself, I sat in some of them at the Aircraft Interiors Expo, I was pretty surprised at some of the knee clearance I had. Max, uh, there's a, a contributor, uh, Stefan Pato, I don't know if you've ever met him, but he's a, an avid aviation geek and he uh, contributes to the network on occasion. And he's made the argument that we should be looking at butt-to-knee measurements <laughs> in flight, BTK. And it's actually picking up a little bit of steam on <laughs> social media. What do you think? Yeah, that's very interesting. The Sort of the focus on seat pitch, I mean, it's really only a part of the the comfort that you uh, that you experience sitting in a seat. I mean, we're right. taking one dimension and using that as a surrogate, really, for uh, the space that you have, the comfort that you have, and so forth. So I'm very encouraged by uh, the idea of looking at alternative methods of calculating the sort of the comfort of, of seats. Another mm -hmm. interesting thing about this is the use of titanium. And as a former engine guy who knows a lot about titanium, I find that uh, interesting. Titanium, of course, is usually uh, very expensive. 
Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you'd ask, well, what does that mean for the cost of the seats? But titanium is also very light. And so, uh, Mary, I guess there's there's kind of a fuel savings associated with these uh, thinner, lighter seats as well. And that, that could be a helpful factor for the uh, for the business case made by the airlines. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and that's definitely uh, one of the uh, most appealing aspects uh, of this seat and, and the reason why they've actually uh, secured now a number of customers, um, which is which is great news, actually, because um, there are some big heavy hitters in the industry in the aircraft interior space. But it's it's always nice to see uh, new companies coming in and and giving them a run for their money. So 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 props to Explicit on that. Um, and I guess uh, I guess we'll see what happens with these. Uh, how low can you go? That's right. <laughs> well, speaking of seats, we see that JetBlue has recently unveiled this new Mint premium product. Uh, I guess this is a new uh, class of service for JetBlue, and uh, this has gotten a lot of attention in the press, but it may not be widely known that the in-flight entertainment system is being provided by Talos, a newly acquired unit, which is live TV. Uh, Dominic, maybe you can tell us how Talos sees the IFE market, how it's evolving into uh, the, the future years. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not really. I'm going to talk in too much detail about JetBlue's specific product. I think I think Mary's going to touch on that later. But I do think what they're doing is part of a trend towards developing more premium passenger offerings on single aisle aircraft, um, especially in the first and business class cabins. Um, what Americans offering on their new narrow body fleet with the new seats and Talos IFE is another example of that. And we're seeing an increasing demand for um, in sophisticated IFE and connectivity solutions for these aircraft types. It's no longer the domain of of the um, wide bodies. Yeah, I think another area where we're seeing tremendous changes with the variety of content and other information that we're making available through IFE. Um, I think whilst traditional content such as movies and TV are likely to remain at the core of the offering, uh, consumers expect the sort of experience they're getting at home and in the office. And, and that means being able to offer much more diverse content and deliver it in a different um, a variety of ways, not just the typical AVOD content library. Um, so to that end, we've launched a more open architecture for our systems, um, along with the applications portal that was recently launched. And this enables airlines and their partners to more easily add custom features and services or even develop their own applications um, to sit on the system. Um, and in terms of how the content is provided, I think we also have to meet the desire for individual choice and an expectation to manage your own experience. Um, so that includes delivery to personal devices not just through the seatback screen. Um, I've been involved in the launch and development of Talis's Arva product, which is a solution for wireless streaming of media. And, and this is, isn't just about a lower cost alternative to embedded systems. Um, I think wireless media distribution is also part of a fully integrated experience where you either have the opportunity to differentiate certain types of content by device type, or you give the user to uh, manage their own experience by deciding how and when and in what way they consume the content. I think overall, when you look at aircraft orders and the projections for the flying passenger, we, we think IFE's got a really strong future. At least that's Talis's view. Um, but I think the key will be not just about doing more for the airline and their passengers, but also finding more efficient ways to deliver these integrated solutions, um, delivering them quicker and, and for a lower cost. Um, and that's why I think Apex has tremendous value by bringing us all together to you know, look at continuous improvement and um, develop passenger experiences for the, the best they can be. 
Yeah, we should we should tell our listeners that Apex really is uh, you know a, a meeting of, of of stakeholders across the passenger experience. Um, got its start obviously in the uh, in-flight entertainment side of the equation, but it has has since grown. But Dominic, something you uh, something you said actually uh, struck my interest. I attended yesterday uh, a Lufthansa event where they are kind of uh, enhancing their program for children um, in terms of you know the the type of IFE they offer, the type of pre-flight, post-flight experience that kids can have with Lufthansa. And at the end of the event, I asked my daughter, she she came along with me because kids were allowed. Uh, I said, what would you like to do? And she said, I'd like to be able to plug my iPad into the IFE screen and have my content um, available on the big screen and then be able to use my iPad for social networks. Now, she's 10 years old. So that's what <laughs> she wants to do. Is that kind of where things are trending in your, in your, where we're, the, the, our, our devices will increasingly kind of speak to the main machine? Yeah, I, well, I think there's room for both um, because, yeah. you know, I, I fly with my own iPad. I often um, look to see what experience I'm likely to get on whichever airline. And, and based on what I'm expecting, I'll make the effort to go and download some of my own content. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, I, I, like to, I like to be lazy sometimes when I'm flying. So I like to be delivered some of that experience by, by the airline. So I, I can see a place for both. Um, yeah. I, want, I want to manage my own experience on my iPad and set up my own content. Um, there's integration with connectivity as well. It's not, it's not just about consuming um, traditional movies and TV. I, you know, I want as, as your daughter does. You want to be able to do other um, functions and services as well, like social media and business functions as well. So I, I think there's a place for both. I, uh, that, that's what I was mentioning with the with the wireless systems as well. A lot of those, a lot of people are looking at wireless distribution systems as standalone, which of course they can be. But I think there's a place to have those sitting alongside. Um, embedded system so you've got premium content through the embedded system that you can't necessarily get on your own device and then use your own device for some other features and services at the same time. Well, I'll tell you, Mary, I'm I'm liking what I'm hearing here because that that yeah. really fits with you know my perception of uh, of well at least what I look for. I mean, I like to come uh, onto the plane with a lot of my own content, right? I like to control my own content, but on a long flight, particularly. I want to experience more than just what I'm familiar with and used to, and uh, there's a certain element of discovery. So if I can connect or integrate with the embedded system, too, that, that gives me the ability to discover some other things that uh, I didn't bring on my own. I like this. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. You know, I recently on a United flight, I think it was from Brussels, I binge watched the uh, um, Sex in the City. Now I have done this before, but I've done it again. <laughs> maybe this is my maybe my third time, which just kind of speaks volumes also about the fact that um, it's not always movies. I spent the entire flight catching up on old episodes of Sex in the City, and I'd say we're going to start seeing more and more of that. Dominic, are, are you you seeing the binge watching trend? IFE? Yeah, um, whether you call it you know binge viewing or catch up viewing or, or whatever, I yeah I think TV has hugely grown in terms of the IFE offerings. It used to be all about the newest movies, but I think because of what people have access to at home with with their DVRs and on demand functionality, people's expectations are, are much wider now. Um, I think Max's point about discovery is a huge part of it as well. You you see something on the CPAC on the IFE system that. You wouldn't necessarily get at home because it's it's come from another country or or something you missed the first time round, and it's a great opportunity to dive in and experience different kinds of content that you wouldn't necessarily come across on your own. Uh, Mary, can we go back a little bit to the mint seat? Do you have some experience with that? Do I understand? 
Yeah, well, I, you know, I haven't flown on it, but I did participate in JetBlue's uh, unveiling and, and they simulated uh, the experience for us on the ground. So we boarded the aircraft, the new Airbus A321 at JetBlue. We were seated, immediately greeted by flight attendants with uh, a, a delicious cocktail. Um, and uh, and got to experience uh, the whole simulated experience um, all, without ever leaving the gate, which was actually quite a lot of fun. Um, the uh, the seat itself is Thompson Vantage um, customized, and it is it's it's really really nice. Um, I found it quite comfortable when I was fully flat, which of course is is just a wonderful uh, experience to be able to have on a transcon flight. The uh, the meals were absolutely fantastic. I was kind of blown away. They've done like a tapas style um, meal service, and it just makes it really interesting. And again, kind of harkens back to the conversation we had uh, with Nick Lucas from In Flight Feed, where it's a voyage of discovery. You know, lots of little plates and little things. They've really been creative about that. And of course, also the in flight entertainment um, is uh, features prominently with a screen that's over fifteen inches in. Uh, uh, when you turn left at the cabin, or rather turn right and stay up at the top of that, that nose. Um, and, uh, and you have over a hundred channels of live television. Um, so kind of what's not to love? It's, uh, it, it's a, a live TV system, but obviously they've been acquired by Talus. So we're really excited to see kind of the, the developments and, and what Talus and live TV do together, uh, here in the, in the coming uh, months and years. Well, I guess JetBlue is going to have, what, 11 of these uh, Airbus 321s uh, with mint service. Uh, this is going to be introduced uh, over the, the course of the coming months, I suppose, uh, uh, completing in the end of next year and the first quarter, rather, uh, 2015. Yeah, absolutely. And I should mention also that uh, the uh, FlyFi service, that um, uh, live TV product also, which is that high-capacity uh, connectivity solution um, is also uh, going to be offer- offered, obviously, and that has uh, been getting rave reviews, absolutely rave reviews. Um, so it's been really impressive to see that as well. It's quite an impressive product for a low-cost carrier. Uh, uh, you know, taking on these big uh, these big carriers in in kind of a in a big way. They're 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 not sitting on their laurels, that's for sure. It's really kind of fascinating to watch. It sure is. It'll be uh, interesting to uh, to watch how that progresses uh, and how the competition reacts. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, shall we talk about the Passenger Choice Awards now, Mary? Yes, we shall. Let's do it. All right. Well, we mentioned that at the beginning. Uh, there's still some time to vote. Cranky Flyer, uh, our uh, good friend Cranky, uh, summed it up uh, recently really nicely when he said that, uh, referring to the awards, that this is actually a somewhat unique system of voting because it's not asking you to rate your overall opinion of an airline. Instead, it simply asks for you to talk about the experience you had on the airline you choose for, or you chose for your last flight. Uh, Dominic, maybe you could uh, tell us a little about why do you think it's important for passengers to exercise their their voice in this uh, in this award process? Um, yeah, I, I, well, I guess it's worthwhile giving a little bit of background. I mean, the previous awards program under WAA, Apex's predecessor, um, did a really nice job of recognizing excellence in in-flight entertainment. Um, and a lot of airlines got value from being able to promote their success. But one thing, other than handing out some nice awards, we felt that we weren't really taking advantage of the opportunity that was available to us through running an awards program. One area that was really missing was the chance to hear the voice of the passenger and as a result generate really useful feedback and data that airlines can actually use to improve their products in the future. 
Um, we knew that some airlines occasionally carried out in-depth surveys about specific product areas, but you know those are typically costly and complex to conduct, so they aren't done very regularly and, and certainly not consistently across the industry. Um, you've all probably received the standard airline survey that maybe asks one or two questions at most about each each aspect of the product. Um, so that kind of led into thinking behind the creation of the current awards format a few years ago. Um, we drive deeper into each product area in our survey than many airlines can do on their own on a regular basis. Um, and the reason it's so important for passengers to vote is that we do pass the data from the surveys on to the participating airlines. Um, and from what we've been told by those airlines, um, they then have real passenger-generated opinions and data that they can use to help define their future service offerings. And although the awards process includes monitoring and weighting to try and ensure that large numbers of votes for one airline don't sway the result completely. It is true what Brett says in his cranky flyer piece that if you don't vote for your preferred airline, then they obviously stand less chance of success. So, yeah, if you've got an opinion, get out and complete the survey. And this is not an onerous kind of survey that's going to take a a big chunk of your time, right? Uh, Not really. I mean, it does go into detail, but it's divided into sections. So if you you only want to give your opinion about in-flight entertainment or the connectivity or or other bits and pieces, you're not forced to complete um, a full lengthy survey. Yeah, I like the fact uh, that it's flexible. Um, we should also also mention that um, the awards, which uh, are a pretty glamorous event, uh, are held at the big Apex Expo every year. This year, it's in Anaheim, California. And um, this is kind of a signature event, Dominic, isn't it? Where, you know, you kind of, uh, you always have a, a really interesting or funny MC, And uh, it's something that people really seem to look forward to. Uh, yeah, the last few years it's grown into uh, it's almost the cornerstone event for the week. Um, years back, people remember we had the big WA gala banquet dinner at the end of the week, and this has be- kind of become the same thing, but at the beginning of the week, and as well as being a nice way to recognize excellence throughout the industry, it's uh, a great way to kick off the week. I have to say that they always provide really nice cocktails, too. Nice. Yep, that's another, another benefit. <laughs> Um, I love the uh, the fact that airlines get the data. I was not aware of that. That's really, really interesting. I can see how that would be hugely valuable um, to these carriers. Yeah, when we started out with the Passenger Choice Awards format a few years ago, we, we weren't actually doing that. We just thought the having the voice of the passenger and the passengers involved in in, in kind of deciding who who was best at delivering the products to them, we thought that was important. But then we realised we have had this kind of mine of data, and, and we we took it, took um, steps to try and manipulate that data and then present it to the airlines in a format they found useful. So they they get quantitative data as well as qualitative stuff, where, where we actually get individual comments and feedback from passengers. Dominic, you mentioned participating airlines. What does it take to be a participating airline in this? Uh awards process yeah we well we wanted to make sure as a member membership association we wanted to make sure that we we um offer this as a benefit to our members um so really all it takes to become a participating airline is to be a member and, and just to sign up uh, it's a really simple process there's no big application forms to provide and, and all the details are given online on the apex website 
I've seen some airlines really uh, take it quite seriously, and it makes sense. They really get the word out. You know, I've seen some carriers even get the word out in their in-flight magazines, um, obviously via social media um, and other kind of on- online outlets, which is fantastic. Do you think that the airlines that are louder and campaign more have a better shot, or do you think now with social media, it kind of is a great equalizer? Um, what do you think, Dominic? No, I, I think airlines that um, make an effort to promote their participation in the awards and, and to promote their products, they do better. A, a couple of years ago, we did some analysis of of how votes were coming in in certain regions, and, and we definitely saw an uptick in in areas where airlines were heavily promoting the awards through uh, through social media on their websites as well as in flight. Okay, so it makes sense for the airlines, uh, any airlines listening to also uh, really be loud and proud and, and get the word out about, about this, uh, this important uh, survey and, and, and awards. Yeah, Absolutely. Mary, mention again the link where people can go to vote. It is the PassengerChoiceAwards.com, www.PassengerChoiceAwards.com. And they also have a Twitter presence, right, at PassengerChoice. Yeah, they have a Twitter presence, and also uh, the Apex Association is also uh, on Twitter and also uh, talking a lot about the awards, and they are at the Apex ASOC. And also, I believe the Airline Passenger Experience magazine is now up and running on social media as well. So uh, Apex is uh, rolling on social media, and uh, we're having fun uh, communicating with them there as well. But um, we are now rapidly coming to a close. I want to thank our listeners, and I want to remind you that you can find us online at RunwayGirlNetwork.com and on iTunes. Be sure to follow all the Runway Girl Network activity on Twitter at at RunwayGirl, and remember to use the PaxX hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience. Join the conversation. It is quite interesting out there. I'd love to reiterate our thanks to our sponsor, the Passenger Choice Awards, and I'd like to thank Dominic Green for being our guest. Dominic, where can listeners find you at? Are you on social media by any chance, or is there a place where we can we can find you? Uh, yeah, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. Um, I can also be emailed at dominic.green at us.talisgroup.com. That's a bit of a bit of a mouthful. So um, the other way to get in touch with, <laughs> with me is through Apex headquarters. So their, their details are on the Apex website at apex.aero, and, and they can make the connection. And and I've noticed also that Talus uh, Avionics and, and and various different aspects of the Talus Group are actually very active now on social media, uh, which is great to see. Absolutely, Dominic. It's been a pleasure. Great, thank you, Mary. Same as always. Thanks, Mary. So join us again next time as we talk about the passenger experience on the PaxX podcast. Mm-hmm.